Spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. Spirit of the All afresh on me. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, there's power and oneness. The Bible said in that configuration that God commands a blessing, even life forevermore. The presence of God is here, saints. And I am so hungry and I'm so thirsty for what God is going to do next. I said, Lord, I said, we come together. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We come together and we have a good time in your presence. And I love your presence, Lord God. But there is more. There's more. Because they told me, and I heard my son sing this, and I said, Lord, he's a chip off the old block. But it's, he's more than enough. More than enough. He's more than enough. Oh, More than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough for me. If you believe that, sing it with me. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough for me. Sing it like you really mean it. Come on, if you really believe it, come on. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. Jehovah. My provider, Jehovah Shalom, oh God, you're my peace. Jehovah Rapha, you're my healer. By your stripes, I. I've been made free. 
what's going on in your life today. Jesus is more than enough. You know, during the Passover, when they came out the land of Egypt, Moses instructed them to slay the, the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of the house. And he said, if the lamb be too much for your family, call your neighbor. And I'm here to tell you the lamb is too big for my family. I got to share them. I got to share them with my neighbor. He's too big because he's more than enough. There's not a sickness that he can't heal. There's not a problem that he don't have the answer for. Because he's more than enough, yeah, for me. Hallelujah. I praise God for this opportunity to stand before you. I want to give honor to our pastor, Bishop Alfred Jackson. He's, he told us he was going to be, he's in Washington, and telling us that he was going to be like on the side of a mountain. He said the house that they had, and we were talking about the mudslides, you know. He, he said, God going to take care of me, you know. God going to take care of me, but uh, we praise God. I, hope, I was hoping he would post some pictures, let us see how that looked. Because uh, he said, sitting right on the mountain, right on the mountainside. And so I just praise God. And um, our prayer is that they uh, get the rest that they need, even though they're out there working. But uh, just being able to get away, sometimes it's a good thing, you know. And I praise God for him and giving me this opportunity to be able to stand before you and um, give an honor to all the elders whom honor is due, our, our first lady and her absence and all whom honor is due today. I praise God. I thank God for my wife who puts up with my ways. Um, I am a strange individual and I know I am. Uh, and she puts up with me and... Uh, she endures Warren Hoskins. And I remember when we first met, I would tell people, I said, she little Warren. That's what I like. She little Warren Hoskins. So I praise God for it. This morning, if you will, I would like to call your attention to a subject that the Lord had uh, impressed upon my heart a while back. I was listening to a, um, a teaching, if you will. It was a seminar by uh, this theologian by the name of... Um, Francis Schaeffer, and uh, the, the, um, the subject was, how should we now live? And he talked about church history. If you ever want to learn about church history, look at that. It, it, uh, it's on YouTube. Now, it's long, so, you, you know, and then you're going to hear a lot of names that, you, uh, you know, you're going to have to say, okay, I'm glad I'm listening to it. Because he go through church history. But he talked about a, a particular topic that caught my attention. And what he talked about was apathy. Apathy. He said that apathy has crept into the church. The spirit of apathy. 
And so it, it, it impressed upon me, and I didn't know why. I didn't know if, if I ever get a chance to, to, to teach it or preach it, but here I am this morning. This is why God impressed it upon my heart to talk about the spirit of apathy. I want to talk about guarding against the spirit of apathy. Father God, in Jesus' name, we come this morning. Lord God, we sense your presence. We know you're here. And Father, we're hungry for you. Father, we know that there's more. We know that you want to take us deeper. You want to take us higher. You want to open our eyes to the spirit realm. You want us to see what's going on. And Father, we say yes, Lord, to your will. Yes, to your way. You want us to be able to see, Father, like the tribe of Issachar, what God is going to do. Hallelujah. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that your anointing will continue to reside upon this place and even get stronger, oh God, and maybe, oh God, uh, uh, I ask that you would pierce the heart of unbelievers, those who don't believe, agnostics, oh God. Uh, 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 I don't believe there's an atheist in the room, but if there are, I ask that something that's said will pierce their hearts. Agnostics, oh God, those who say I don't have enough uh, uh, information to believe, I ask that you would pierce their hearts this morning. And those, Lord God, who think they don't need anything else, think they got it all together, I ask that you would pierce their hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray. Amen. The spirit of apathy. Apathy. What is apathy? Apathy is the absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement, the lack of interest, in or concern for things that others find moving and exciting. Apathy all call, also called lethargy, where we get our word uh, lethargic. It's a lack of energy, enthusiasm, periods of weakness in becoming lethargic. It's sluggish, inactivity, inaction, slowness. Lifelessness. It is idleness, passivity. It is everything that is opposed to what God is. The medical term is pathological state of sleeplessness or deep unresponsiveness and inactivity. It is most common defined as a lack of feeling, emotion, interest, or concern. It is a state of indifference or suppression of emotion, such as concern, excitement, motivation, and passion. As an apathetic individual, they have the, the, the absence of interest. They're not concerned about anything. Don't get excited about anything. An apathetic person may lack a sense of purpose or meaning in their life. An apathetic person may also exhibit insensibility or sluggishness. In positive uh, uh, psychology, it's that apathy is described as a result of the individual feeling they do not possess the level of skill required to confront a challenge. It may also be a result of perceiving no challenge, which is Pitiful. Somebody's saved and don't know that they're in a battle. Got saved and that's it. 
I ain't got to pray. I want to get ahead of myself. I ain't got to fast. I ain't got to seek God. Apathy. I can go to Bible study or I can't. It don't matter. I can pray or I don't have to. It don't matter. That's apathy. Spiritual lethargicness is laziness in spiritual matters, such as prayer, Bible study, fasting, holy living, and the application of the faith principles. I'd like to call your attention to the book of Malachi. Talk about apathy. Apathy. Usually when we think of this book, our attention is uh, always drawn to what the Lord said about the tithe. Although this was an important issue, the issue with the tithe was burst out of the apathetic attitude of the priest and the Levites. If you will read the book of Malachi and read it in context, you will see that God was talking to the priest and the Levites. He was not talking to the nation of Israel. When he said, you have robbed me even this whole nation, I stand here to tell you, I guarantee you not everybody in that nation was robbing God. Tell you what happened, though. Under that old system, they had to bring the tithe and present them to the priests. In the 18th chapter of of Numbers, it said they were to take of the tithe and they were to lift it up to God. And the whole nation would be blessed because the tithe come from the nation. What happened, the priests had become unfaithful. And so the whole nation was cursed because the leadership was corrupt. That's why he said, also in Malachi, you read, he said, this priest, this this commandment also is for you. He was talking to them. And he talked about when he uh, first uh, entered into covenant with Levi. He talked about how when uh, uh, Moses asked, who is on the Lord's side? And, and, and Levi stood up and went and took a javelin and he uh, killed the person that had offended, that brought a curse in the camp. Levi killed them. And because of that, God made a covenant with Levi. And he set him aside as the, as the priest stood. But uh, the priest had become corrupt. It was because of their apathetic attitude. It appears that they had begun to measure themselves by their uncircumcised neighbors and deemed or came to the conclusion it don't take all that. Because see, one thing you got to understand, they were to the east and to the west of them were the Philistines, uncircumcised Philistines. And see, that is very important when you start talking about a, 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 a biblical interpretation because the Philistines shared they were to the, to the west, and, and after them, I think it was the uh, Mediterranean Sea, but to the east of them were, were, were Israel, and there was nothing between them but a wall. They called the garrison. And so that's why they had a lot of battles with the Philistines, because the Philistine is, is, is symbolic, and some of you heard me say this, it's symbolic of people who try to get into the promises of God without going through anything. They, see, they could get into the promised land without going through, the, through Jordan. You remember when Israel went into the promised land? They had to cross the Jordan River. So in order to get into the promises of God, you got to die. But an uncircumcised Philistine don't have to die. They just come over. 
So when you start talking about uncircumcised Philistine, or uncircumcised Philistine spirit, you're talking about a person who's trying to get into the things of God without going through anything. Apatheticness. And then they want to teach people, it don't take all that. You ain't got to do no fasting. You ain't got to do no praying. You ain't got to study the word of God. The Bible said that this is God's word. How can you live? Man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I heard a man say this week, and I said, thank you, Jesus. He said, we need the preceding word of God, because when God told uh, Abraham to kill Isaac, at the bottom of the mountain, he had one set of instructions. But at the top of the mountain, he had another set. See, you need the preceding word of God. What is God saying now? And if you don't read your word, how you know what he's saying now? I'm scared of somebody who don't study. I'm sorry, call me hard, whatever. If you don't pick your Bible up or you can come to Bible study and you don't come to Bible study, you have an apathetic spirit. I'm sorry. I call a spade a spade, I'm sorry. If you can come to church school and you don't care if you're on time or not, Bishop, call a prayer, and you don't care if you get in or not. You got no excuse not to get in it because you got to feel something. You, 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 you're waiting for a feeling to hit you, and that's not faith. Faith is you step out whether you feel something or not because the word of God says so. God is saying we got to get this out of the church. This, this spirit of apathy is a spirit that's killing us, that's keeping us from entering into the things of God. Listen, God first told them, he said, I love you. He, he told them, I chose you. He was talking to the, the priests, the Levites. He said, I chose you. I love you. He said, when, but then when he talking about the nation, he said, you know, was not Esau, your brother? He said, but I chose you instead of Esau. When apathy creeps in, devotion is no longer present, and everything associated with building and maintaining a relationship becomes laborious. Everything we don't have a love or a passion for, we quickly lose interest. At which point we begin to follow other things competing for our attention. These are usually fleshly in nature and appeal to our fallen evil appetites. Let's consider the essence of God's complaint against the people in the book of Malachi. This is what he said in Malachi, the first chapter, starting at verse 6. He said, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's my honor? And if I be a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest. See, that's what he's writing to. That despise my name. And ye say, this is what they say, wherein have we despised it? <laughs> yeah. See, God even know what they were saying. You know, how have we despised your name? Look at what, and God told them. He said, I'm glad you asked that. He said, you offer polluted bread upon my altar. 
In other words, you do what you want to do. You believe, okay, hold up. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And you say, when have we polluted thee? In that uh, in that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, it is, uh, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it unto your governor and see if he'd be pleased with you. Take it to your governor and see if he would take it. Oh, my God. I think God was being very practical. He said, that that you offer me, you take it to your governor. Oh, my God. You know, we could count less if we're on time. But we got jobs. And we're going to try to be there on time. If you give the job more honor than you give God. Well, well, I'll get fired over there. I won't get fired over here. But let me ask you a question. Is it not hindering you spiritually? See, a lot of times because we don't see it, because it don't happen right away, we're not understanding that my apathy is affecting me. It's hindering me because God knows me. We live in two worlds, saints. We live in a world everybody sees, and then we live in a world everybody don't see. But God sees that person of you that everybody don't see. And so a lot of times we are so busy on trying to make it appear something that it's not. We want people to believe that we're holy. We want people to believe that we're living for the Lord. But we ain't doing nothing. And God knows you better than you know yourself. But we will put up a front because we want people to believe that we've been doing right. God says it's time to put this spirit in check. Listen to what the Lord said. He said, now you take it to your governor and see if he'd be pleased with you or accept your person. Then he went on to say, and now I pray you, I beseech God, that he would be gracious unto you, that, uh, that uh, this has been your means. Would he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there uh, even among you that would shut the doors for naught? In other words, God says, shut the door. I don't even want you to go in there. Don't, don't offer nothing. Because your attitude stinks. Don't even set the fire. Don't, don't shut the door. Don't even go in there. He said, I'd rather not have it than to have you do it half heartedly. Now, if you think I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm doing damage to the scripture, read the book of Malachi for yourself. And then if you got a good reference Bible, you'll see where another prophet told them, shut the door. He said, your sacrifices, away with. He said, I cannot do with it. This is what the, the Lord told, told you of Israel. Because of their attitude. The attitude was not right. It was not right. Now, listen, uh, God has said, let me jump down to the 13th verse. He said, you said also, behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it. In other words, you have, you know, it's not important. Said that, uh, said, said the Lord of hosts. And ye bought that which was torn and, and, and the lame and the sick. Thus ye bought an offering. Shall I accept this at your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which has in his flock a male and boweth it, boweth and sacrificed unto the Lord a corrupt thing. You know you can do better. But what you offer God is corrupt. Yes, 
Offer the same thing to your boss man and see if he'll take it. And building a relationship, you know, I was thinking about it. And as my wife would tell you, this week I called, I mean, I, 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 you tell God, you know, <laughs> when you start working on the message, it works with you too. So I text my wife, I say, sweetheart, I say, can we do a movie and dinner tonight? <laughs> she said, yeah. So, so we went out. Uh, 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 and then she would tell me yesterday, I knew I had a preacher today, and she, uh, you, you know, you, you ain't got to go with me when our friends were having to cook out. Now, I'm going, honey, I'm going, I'm going. Because, the Lord, I was talking about building a relationship. And how can you build a relationship when you don't spend time with a person? And you got to make time. I don't have time. You got to make it. You can't build a relationship when you're busy all the time and you're busy doing other things. Listen to this. In the overall book, now the Lord, when he talked about the tithe, you will see what he said from your fathers. You have gone against my ordinances. At the bottom, you will see him talk about ordinance again. The reason the tithe was so, was singing out, because he said, it's my ordinance. God has set up an ordinance of tithing in the nation of Israel, and he said, you've gone against my ordinance. Because of their apathetic attitude, I don't have to. Or why should I? Or, you know, we ain't got to do it like that. It don't take all that. That's why all your friends can't be unsaved. You know, and your best friend, you know, my God, you know, you need to be trying to win them over. But uh, um, if you ain't careful, even corrupt, even communication, corrupt good manners. Now, we cannot consider the topic of apathy without thinking about the church of Laodicea, found in the third chapter of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto this church, I know your deeds, and that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either, uh, either one or the other. So because ye are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I use another translation. I think I'm beginning to find, uh, 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 you know, a little value in the uh, NIV. I used that like it, but uh, I'm a King James man. Uh, but I'm fine. I, you know, I see the, that, see that, that's the NIV right there. I like that. He said, and you say, and you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful. Poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and, and soft swab so that you can, uh, so you can put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I rebuke and discipline uh, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, I want to unpack that just a little bit. Listen to this. Wretched. What is wretched? God said they're wretched. A wretchedness is a person in a very unhappy, unfortunate state. Such as I felt so wretched because 
I thought I might never see you again. Now, there is a saying now, just remember, though, the young people got a saying calling stuff, they call it ratchet. Oh, it's not ratchet. Ratchet, okay. Okay. I thought they were saying ratchet. Okay. Ratchet, so, so, you can, so you can see I'm out of touch. Okay. But wretchedness is a person that is unhappy or unfortunate. Now, this is an oxymoron because they uh, were rich. They had, it, they had everything. And they appeared to be, be happy. You know, I was, I was listening to another theologian the other day by the name of uh, Dr. Um, uh, uh, Zacharias. And he was talking about a man that is like the fifth, sixth or sixth, seventh richest man in the world over in the Orient. And say that the man got saved. But the man was in top of one of his buildings. He talked to the man and asked him, how did you come to receive Christ? And the man said that he had had this big conference. And when he got done, he went to the top of one of his buildings and looked out and say, is this all? Is this all? And he come and told his wife, said, you know, we got to do something. I'm unhappy. His wife said, well, we, we listen to this. His wife say, well, we need to go to church. And they said, what church? He said, there's the, the church right He said, yes, there is a church. There's one right across the street from one of our developments and say, we ain't got to pay for parking. <laughs> this man was wealthy and he was unhappy. They talked about Deion Sanders. After he won the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys, say, dear, oh my God, you had to go there. <laughs> but they say, Deion Sanders, after he won that Super Bowl, he got on the phone and he ordered a Lamborghini. And once he got the Lamborghini, he stood back and looked at it and he said, Is this all? can order anything you want, but unhappy. When looking at Jesus' statement about this ministry, he spoke of there being rich in heaven, in earthly acquired wealth, which led them to believe that they, did not have, they had need of nothing. However, Jesus told them that they did not realize their spiritual state. And that they, uh, that they were in. Now, I'm, I'm getting ready to show you something about the situation that just appealed to, me, uh, appealed to me yesterday. Appeared to me yesterday. He said that they were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked and did not realize it. As we look at the text from Revelation, the third, third chapter, we should be, it should be troubling to any Christian that although Jesus had rebuked for every church except the church of Smyrna, which was the suffering church, he only encouraged them. He first commended the, the rest of the churches uh, for what they were doing correctly. However, when he came to the church of Laodicea, he had no commendation whatsoever. He told them, I know your works. He did not commend them. He didn't see nothing good in what they were doing. So that, 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 that lets you know that, that, that there is no good in that apathetic person. When I say no good, I'm talking about in your approach to things, in the way that you, your worldview, if you will, the way that you view the world. Because the way you view the world, you view, you view everyone around you. There is more to being a Christian than just a confession. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, 
he said that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we shall be saved. He goes, he goes on to say, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. There's a heart issue here, saints. There's a heart issue. And sometimes we confess, but we don't believe. And eventually, what you believe will be seen on the outside. The way you carry on tells me what you believe. Oh, my God. See, if you don't pray, it tells me you don't think it's important. And I am afraid of people that don't study the word of God. I'm, I'm, I don't understand it, brother. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, please. This is what God has given us. This is the only way you can verify that what you have is real. The people in, in, in the Bible say, Bira, they sought the scriptures daily, whether the things that the apostles were teaching were true. How can you say you're saved and you don't study? See, the Bible said, I'm, okay, please, I'm just going to have to go here. I, I'm going to have to preach out of my spirit. The Bible says, the Lord said, I will give you a new heart. A new heart. That heart has us crying, Abba, Daddy. The, the Bible said the Lord is Jehovah, uh, 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 no, he calls himself El Shaddai, the breasty one. And I remember my kid's mother, and women can attest for this. My kid's mother, when the kids, were, when they were young, babies, and when they would begin to cry, she would automatically begin to flow. This is what the Bible says, desire to send some milk of the word that she may grow thereby. If you're never crying for the word, I, I have trouble believing that you've been born again. Because when you're born again, you're going to thirst. A baby comes out the womb. You ain't got to tell them find your mouth. And if you put them anywhere near the mama. <laughs> so I don't understand it. Somebody help me. I don't understand it. How can you say you saved and you never study your word? How can you say you're saved and you never pray? Because our prayer is as incense that, that ascend up to God. Is it not? And so we exhale and we inhale the word of God. Because the Bible says that the word is the, 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 the breathing of God. The, the, the word has the very life of God in it. So as we study and as we pray, we are taking in the word of God, taking in the life of God, taking in the life of God. We are strangers in the earth. We are strangers in the earth. We don't supposed to be comfortable here. But when you find your pleasure in natural things, and you got no desire for spiritual things. Bishop said he laughed when he did it because he knew it was true. 
He said, the Bible was, was talking about, um, you know, when we are born again, there are certain signs that we have. There are certain things that we do. And he was saying, if you're not doing that, you're not saved. And I mean, he said it softly, but he laughed about it because it's true. What's in your heart is what you're going to do. Share something else God was dealing with me about this week. The Lord said, in this Christian walk, it is important what you say. He said that have faith in God. For whosoever should say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, should not doubt in his heart, but should believe that the things he says should come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. He goes and says, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But he talked about saying. The Lord said the problem is, you notice that a person that has uh, trouble hearing, a lot of times their speech is affected. If you can't hear, you can't bring back what somebody said. And if you notice a person, when they first gain their sight, their speech, you know. And the Lord said, a lot of us Christians have trouble speaking because we don't hear nothing. And that's why we can't speak to our problems. Because we're not hearing nothing. I immediately say, God, clean out my ears. All that junk that I allowed to get down in there, please take it out. I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear when you say come. I want to hear when you say stop. I want to hear when you say go. See, saints, that is our life. The, 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 the word of God, don't you know <laughs> George Washington Carver asked the Lord, say, uh, several things he asked the Lord to help him understand, and several of them the Lord told him no, 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 no. But then he asked the Lord, he picked up the peanut, he was trying to be funny, but he picked up the peanut, and he said, well, you know, something, I, I forget exactly the word, but he asked God to help him understand the peanut. Then he didn't realize who he was dealing with. God gave that man, I forget how many ways, to use the peanut. So God can take a word and make you wealthy. He can. He can take an idea and make you wealthy. If you only hear what God is saying. Listen to this. I want, I want to say this, and, I, and I'm closing now. Listen to this. Jesus Jesus was here. He said, told the church, I'm knocking at the door. And one thing you have to realize, that the fact that he was knocking at the door, that means they were inside having service. And didn't realize he wasn't in there. He was on the outside knocking on the door. Ain't that something? When you don't realize he ain't here. 
and he's on the outside knocking on the door. Now, the fact that he has to knock to get your attention tells me that there are some things going on in there, a bunch of noise going on, and it's by, just by chance you may hear him. What is that saying to us? It says that we can have a lot of going on and Jesus is not in the midst of it. We can be doing a whole lot of things and Jesus is not in the midst. And he can be at the doors of our heart knocking, trying to get in. Let me in. And if we don't realize he's not there, we're going to wear ourselves out trying to do spiritual things with a carnal mind. You cannot do spiritual things with a carnal mind. You can try, but you're going to wear yourself out. Does it matter ever that I uh, get on fire for God? Yes, it does. Paul told us in the book of Romans to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. There is no lackadaisicalness when it comes to the body of Christ. Solomon talked about the sluggish man. How long will you sleep, O slugger? How long will you slumber and sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, and so shall thy poverty come. As, as one that traveleth. You know, poverty is going to come. If you are a sluggard, if you have a spirit of apathy, Nothing matters to you. You don't do anything to build a relationship with Christ. It don't take all that. What's going to happen eventually? You're going to be out. You know, they used to tell us, and please, I'm not, I'm not hitting at nobody. I'm not hitting at nobody. I'm not going to say that then. Because <laughs> I clear I don't want to be in trouble. But can I tell you, tell you this without, without nobody getting offended? Say, I will not get offended. Okay. They used to tell us, you're sitting in the back of the church, that means you're on your way out. They used to tell us. <laughs> Tim, Tim, I heard it too. They said, if, if you're sitting at the back of the church, that means you're on your way out. Do that mean that you're going to leave in the natural? No. Spiritually, you're out. Because you're not eager about the things of God. I'm sorry. That's what the old people used to tell us, and they were wise. Wise people. I mean, they didn't know a lot of theology. They probably could not tell you the three different loves in Greek. But they could tell you when you were on the way out. <laughs> They can tell you that. I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't say that. I'm telling you what they used to tell us. And I know somebody mad at me now. But that's all right. I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what they used to tell us. I believe the devil has called us to compare ourselves with other people. This has led to self-righteousness. I believe for the most part, if we're not careful, we can be guilty of, if others don't do it, I won't do it either. The problem with this approach is that we are comparing ourselves with, among ourselves. Paul said this is not wise. 
Jesus said at least seven times in the book of uh, Revelation, uh, he that has in the ear, let him hear. It's important that we hear. But when we have, but we got to be anxious to hear. We got to be eager to hear. Offense can hinder you from hearing God. Being mad and uptight and, you know, can hinder you from hearing God. You see, uh, um, we don't know the beauty of a relationship until, with Christ until we do what's necessary to build it and maintain it. It can truly be said to know him is to love him. It is a true statement that every relationship begins with the thought. With this thought, I would like to know you better. We need to stay away from these let's, let's get it on relationships. They ain't trying to get to know you. I've been really trying, baby, trying to hold back this feeling for so long. And if you feel like I feel, let's get it on. No commitment whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been trying to hold it back for a long time. And you need to tell me, <laughs> need to tell you, you need to keep holding it. <laughs> Listen, how do we overcome this spirit of apathy? Well, the joy of the Lord should be our perspective. Let me first start by saying, I do not believe that Nehemiah, when he told the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength, he was talking about a feeling zapping them, and all of a sudden they got strength. <laughs> Boom, oh, I got strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, you dance, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Dang, what he was talking about? Let me tell you what, if you read in the context what he's talking about. When you read the text and account of the text, we will see that the people went from mourning to rejoicing over the same text. We can gather from this that the right approach to repentance uh, is first understand that I have an issue. And then rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Nehemiah instructed the people because, and this is what the Bible said, the Bible said that Ezra read the word so that they can understand it. And you have to read how many times they say, and they understood it. And once they understood it, they realized their state. They realized their plight. They realized they had missed God. And so they will. And Nehemiah told them, say, this is not a time for weeping. He said, but go and, you know, have a cookout. I didn't say that, but he said, but prepare. <laughs> I was trying to get y'all to wake up. He said, go and prepare, uh, you know, food and take it to those who don't have any. He said, because this is a time of rejoicing, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What was he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. Talking about the testimony concerning God. The testimony concerning God is that he is good. And his mercy endures forever. That's what we ought to be finding joy in. And what God said. So if I'm going to find joy in what he said, then I got to by faith. So me rejoicing is by faith. It's not me being zapped. 
I believe what they said about him. He is merciful and his, and his, his good and his mercy endure forever. Psalms 119.68. He is good and he doeth good. So I rejoice in that. I might have just missed it. I might have messed up so bad, but I rejoice in, I, you know, I mourn over the fact that I missed it. Lord, I apologize. I'm sorry, but I rejoice in the fact that he is good and his mercy endure forever. And in Christ Jesus, he don't see old ugly woman, but what did he see? Oh, I'm looking good in his sight. Oh, see, 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 listen, even though I missed the mark, I hear God saying, because he said it about Christ, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. See, I have to keep telling myself that because I am accepted in him, not in myself. See, religious ta- religion taught me that I had to be concerned about warring. And I am concerned about me to a certain extent, Elder, but I don't get preoccupied because I look away to Calvary and I see Jesus die for me. And out of gratitude, I submit myself to him because he's worthy. He's worthy of my adoration. He's worthy of me submitting myself to him. A man that would pay the price that he paid? And you walking around here like you all that in a bag of chips? No, baby. No, 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 no. 351 rips of flesh out of his body. And on the Passion of the Christ, you know, we always think about the back. But on the Passion of the Christ, they had that thing hitting them right here. My God, I'm sitting there weeping, and I don't see the Passion of Christ a hundred times. And I'm sitting there the other day, I'm looking at him, I'm just weeping. Because I'm saying, oh, my God, Jesus. But I also refuse to let the devil take up residence in me at all. He got no parts in me. Why? Because I'm looking away to Calvary. And you got no legal right. I tell him to get off. Take your hands off. Hallelujah. Listen, when he said the joy of the Lord is our strength. See, we got to by faith, by the testimony of, of the Lord, we got to by faith rejoice. This brings us to the point that Bishop had been preaching about the last couple of Sundays. Talking about uh, as we mature in Christ, our desire should be to bear fruit. Just as Mature to give birth to the desire in the natural. It is a sign of, uh, of uh, uh, immaturity to want to engage in intimate activities and not accept the responsibility that come with the territory. See, a lot of us, we want to dance and we want to shout and, and, and whatever. And we're even praying public, which are intimate things for the Christian. That's how we enter into intimacy with the Lord, through prayer, you know, through dancing even, through fasting. Those are our intimate things. But we have people who want to do intimate things without the responsibility. And you can't bring forth fruit unless you get intimate. And some people putting up a front. All they want to do is 
They're willing to do intimate things without the responsibility. Singing to the Lord is an intimate activity. Dancing before the Lord, like I said, is an intimate activity. We should ask ourselves, uh, am I one of the ones that's singing and dancing because it feeds my fleshly desire? But could I care less for the intimacy? Unlike the natural, there is no such thing as intimacy without fruitfulness when it comes to our relationship with Christ. The fact that unfruitfulness is, uh, uh, that, that there is unfruitfulness is an indication that there is no intimacy. You see, God desires for us, his desire for us is that we will be fertile and can't help but bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But this takes us to John, the 15th chapter, when Jesus said, I am the vine, and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. But every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it bring forth more fruit. So you see, the intimacy that we have in God is our way to be fruitful. Do you think everything in the earth that God has placed in the earth do not have significance? It does. It has spiritual significance. We can learn some things, as Roman one twenty says, for the invisible things of God are clearly seen by the things that are made, even his, even his eternal power in Godhead. And he goes on to say, so that we are without excuse. We can look at the natural things and we can see some things about God. You are without excuse. When you stand before God, if you die today, you don't have an excuse. If you are unsaved, you are uncommitted, and when you stand before God, you don't have an excuse. But Lord, I didn't know. What did you try to know? Because you know, parents, you know that's what you would tell your child. If your child said, but I didn't know. Well, you didn't ask. There is no excuse. So Jesus talked about abiding, abiding. He told them, he said, these things have I spoken unto you. I'm skipping down. These are things I've spoken to you that my joy... See, intimacy, intimacy is the way that his joy is in you. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How to get on fire for God? Stay in fellowship. You break fellowship, then eventually you wane. Wayne and weighing down, and then you got to pump you up. Raise your hand. Stand on your feet. Turn around. Jump three times. <laughs> Spiritual apathy. The antidote is to be on fire. Paul told us in Romans, and I'm closing. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, uh, abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. That right there, you can take that right, right, right there and you can go home. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave that which is good. Notice he didn't say that you got to feel it first. He just said, just do it. See, I found out that this Christian life is you do first, feel later. Paul said, 
in the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians that every work of faith be filled with, with power. Every work of faith is filled with power. So when do the power come? Do it come before you step out on faith? No, it comes either as you're stepping out or after you step out. That's when the power comes. So if you never step out in faith, there is no power. And that's what, that's what Bishop was talking about the other day. He was talking about if you never go out and you never step out in faith to witness to somebody, there is no power. Because every work of faith is filled with power. We have to conduct ourselves in a way that is pleasing to God. But it has to be in a way where we are showing God that we believe the word. It's a proven fact when a person does not know who they are, they're always to fall back to what they are accustomed to. That's why you got to step out on faith. You can't keep dwelling on where you were or who you were. Step out on faith and become the person God knows you can be. But I used to. But you don't know what I've done. Forget all that. God sees what you can be, not what you were. Oh, man, I tell you, Bishop, I'll never forget that sermon he preached. You are not that thing. And that thing struck home with me because the devil called me a lot of things. And a lot of it I was, you know, I was guilty of. <laughs> but when Bishop preached that, you are not that thing. Oh, my God. Ever since. Ooh Listen to this. They would have default back to what they are accustomed to, where they find acceptance, and where there is no character, or where there is no change in character, where no change in character is required. The fleshly Egyptian environment brings about a false temporary comfort or pleasure. However, the immediate de uh, uh, deteriorating impact is not apparent and is hid by the enemy of our human soul. Many settle in this environment even after they have confessed to the world that Jesus is Lord. It is one thing to say, say Jesus is Lord, but a totally different thing uh, to submit ourselves to him as Lord. Those who are in the church who profess that they believe do not feel the depth of gratitude that the true believer feels. Well, some people in the church, I wrote this, this is my music. But some people in the church, I should have put, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, do not feel the deep gratitude that a true believer feels when they understand through the word what God has done for them. There is no price to pay, they say. Jesus paid it all. There is no weeping with them. There is no rejoicing with them. The joy of the Lord is not their strength. They have become comfortable in the Egyptian environment. And like the uncircumcised Philistine, they want to enter into the things of God without death to self. However, the son of a true Christian will undoubtedly say along with the hymn writer Isaac Watts, but drops of grief can never repay the depth of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. When you see what God has done for you, when the blindness are taken off and you see what God has done for you, there is a sense of gratitude that comes. 
And you will, just like Mary Magdalene, you will seek him out. He had cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene. And somebody told her he's going to be at Simon the Tanner's house. Simon the Pharisee. And she went and sought him out. And washed his feet with her tears. Undoubtedly when she came, she saw that his feet hadn't been washed. And she took her tears and she wiped them with her tears. Wiped them with her hair and then spent the expensive oil concoction on his head in gratitude. Show you something here. She sought him out to say thank you. The feeling that she felt was gratitude. It wasn't a big zap of, I don't know, something from the world beyond, and all of a sudden you faithful. It was faith, gratitude. Sometimes we don't have gratitude because we don't realize how stinking we are. We don't realize how dirty we were, and I thank God. I hated the person that I was, but I thank God that I see who I was, and I don't want to go back there. Because I know warm without God is a terrible thing. Nasty and stinking. I tell you, when I got saved, my brother and sister were so happy because they said, you curse so much. They were happy to see me get saved. I mean, I, had, I, I was a stutterer, you know, so I couldn't get them all out. So they messed with me. You know, I did the best thing I could do, and that's, that's what came. <laughs> but Jesus came. And uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, saints, a lot of times after you get saved, yeah, there's going to be mistakes. You're going to miss it a lot of times. But guess what? God allows you the space because we are growing. And he allows us to grow. Some kind of way we think because we get saved, all of a sudden we got it all together. And we should have it all together. Not true. God allows us room to grow. But we cannot allow the spirit of apathy to creep into our lives the way we think it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter if I pray. It don't matter if I fast. It don't matter if I read my word. It don't matter if I gather with the saints. It don't matter. And that's a lie. Because the truth of the matter is, it matters. Do you think Paul said in vain to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together? As the matter of some is. And told them to come and, and come together so much the more as you see the day approaching. The spirit of apathy. There are so many things in the world, so many external things cars and running with certain people and being accepted by certain 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 factions of, of our society being accepted these things scream for our attention and they will allow us and make us 
have a spirit of apathy if we're not careful. Because we would find our pleasure in the same thing that the uh, Epicureans, they found their pleasure in natural things. Found their pleasure in natural things. Nothing wrong with natural because we are three-pipe being. We are, we, we are spirit, we live in a body, and we possess a soul. So God gives us the natural things to enjoy, but we can't get so preoccupied with the natural things that we forget about God. And we definitely can't let the natural world dictate to us what's accepted. Just because I see people kissing on TV that shouldn't be kissing, don't make it acceptable. We're going to go ahead and open up the altar. For anybody who wants to come and wants to 